It's the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. On this week's episode, Deputy Editor Andrew Knowlton sitting down with the folks behind our Hot 10 list of America's Best New Restaurants 2017. First up, Vansana Nolintha and Patrick Woodson. Uh, they work at Brewery Bavana in Raleigh, North Carolina. Vaughn's a chef. He makes dim sum and Laotian dishes while Patrick brews the beer at the brewery. And there's also a flower shop and a bookshop inside the huge community center-like space. After that, Andrew talks to Mason Hereford and Colleen Quarles of Turkey and the Wolf in New Orleans, our number one spot, the best new restaurant in America. It also happens to be kind of like the craziest, wackiest sandwich shop you've ever been to. Slight warning, Mason is a fan of colorful language. Uh, He knows more four-letter words than probably any of us ever will learn in our lifetime. So if you have any kids listening, you might want to put the earmuffs on. All right, let's do this thing. Here's Andrew, Van, and Patrick. All right, so I am sitting at the table with one of our hot 10 restaurants for 2017, number 10 on the list. Numbers don't matter, though, guys, so don't worry about it. Uh, from Brewery Bavana in Raleigh, North Carolina, Vansana Nolintha, Van for short, correct, Van? That's great. Okay. And then also Patrick Woodson, who both co-founders, Patrick is oversees kind of the beer thing at Brewery Bavana. That is correct. So before we get into it, it's also weird that it's crazy that this is the first brewery, if, if you know, it's in your name, that that is ever been in the hot 10, which is kind of cool. Wow. But before we talk about that, how you guys met is pretty awesome and how this restaurant came to be. So Van, do you want to tell us and then maybe Patrick can take the rest of it? And Sure. I think it's a, it's a love story. Of it's course. a love story. <laughs> um, so my sister and I uh, have this Laotian restaurant in Raleigh in Moore Square and we just had a five years anniversary last week. And, uh, yeah, we, we, we opened Bidamanda as one of the first Laotian restaurants in the country. And I think it was about four years ago when um, Patrick came to Table 7 with... Uh, his table 7, he remembers the table. table it is a love ta- story. Table yeah. 7, it's uh, seat 1, and <laughs> his parents were 2 and 3. And uh, and Patrick and his wife, Aubrey, has been in Uganda um, with the Peace Corps. And they finished that work, and they travel around the world, and they stumble upon this tiny, tiny little town called Luang Prabang, which is where Van Visa and I came from. In in Laos. In Laos. Okay. In Laos. And 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 he show up and we told stories of Luang Prabang. Not many people even know about that place. And I think well, we, when you say small town, what are we talking about? Oh my God. It's like five thousand people. Okay. Yeah. What were, what were you doing there? Did your car break down or something? No. <laughs> yeah, we just, uh, well, as Van mentioned, we had finished Peace Corps, uh, lived basically on the border of South Sudan uh, without power and water for two years. So uh-huh. That was a great experience. That's a whole different <laughs> podcast, though. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of had this flux period where we just traveled, uh, spent about six months traveling back slowly to the U.S., and uh, Laos had popped up on my radar as uh, incredible food culture. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to go. And it's really off the beaten path of the typical backpacker uh, route and um, found ourselves in Long Prabang and fell in love with the place. So wow. in that time period, my family had moved to Raleigh. So we got back and um, we're trying to figure out what we were going to do with our lives. And uh, and you knew there was this restaurant in town. Yeah. So when I found out 
little little old Raleigh had a Laotian <laughs> restaurant. I was like, there's no way. And uh, my family took me down there, and I met Van the first night, like you said, at table seven. And um, my favorite part of the story, actually, is that uh, we were chatting, uh, and I showed him a photo from the trip, and it was uh, I was eating this particular uh, bird that they serve there, and and he ran away from the table. And I was like, oh my gosh, I offended him. Yeah. I don't know what I did. <laughs> And he comes running back, and he puts a beer Lao on the table, which oh. uh, I had been in that same photo. I was drinking a beer Lao, and he turned out uh, Bitamondo was one of, one of the only re- restaurants in the U.S. that served beer Lao, which and, is uh, is literally the national beer of Laos, yes. right? Yes. The only beer of yeah. us, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. They have a dark and a and a light, and they're both <laughs> they're actually really good. Uh, so then we started talking about beer and uh, serendipitously uh, turned out that we had rented a house a few blocks from where Van lived and I got back into brewing again. It's hard to brew when you don't have power and water in yeah. <laughs> Uganda. But, uh, so Van and his sister would come by and um, hang out on Sundays and taste At your beer. house in Raleigh. Yeah. And, and his backyard. So yeah. it, was, it was just a hobby. Yeah. Um, I, I My background's in biofuel production and fermentation in general, but... Uh, <laughs> Beer, I, I always joke beer tastes better than fuel at the yeah, end of the day. Yeah. So, so yeah, we just kind of started hanging out and talking and planning. So you hit you hit off this relationship, this mm-hmm. kind of because you had had this other restaurant and you had been in Laos. You meet at table seven, um, <laughs> and then you know how does Brewery Bavana come about then? Because it's one thing to meet somebody who's been mm-hmm. to your town; it's another thing to open a restaurant with that person. Yeah, I. I think uh, we pretty much became friends really quickly after that. And I think that is going to be true with all of the relationships you're about to hear about Buri Bamana in general, whether it's the books or the flower program or the dim sum, mm-hmm. is that we fell in love with the people first. And, 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 and then over time, you surrender to the moment and say, let's dream something together. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there was ever a moment and say, Patrick, let's open a brewery. You know, yeah. like that, that, that just was not a part of the plan. I think slowly we understood hospitality to be uh, the same. And I think we care for people uh, in a similar way. And we treasure family and relationships. Mm-hmm. And, and, and one thing lead to the next. We were like, let's really built a dream together mm-hmm. so set the scene for people who haven't who aren't familiar with raleigh you you're on M- moore square mm-hmm. no, what, what's the full name of it moore square moore square okay yes. so and you have the laotian restaurant uh and then it's in a kind of a big cavernous space and then right next door i assume another space became available which would would become brewery bavana yes I remember the first time I walked into Brewery Bavana, and and Van, you were shocked to hear that I'd been there four <laughs> times, and that you hadn't spotted me, which was victory for me. <laughs> Success. <laughs> Those wigs work. I told I tell everybody. No, so you walk in, and it's this. I'm not going to say it doesn't. It just doesn't feel like the prototypical Raleigh restaurant to me. I, I don't know exactly what that means, but it's this beautiful, soaring, light-filled space that is almost all white. There's kind of amazing foliage and flowers all mm-hmm. around. You have this, you know, to your left as you walk in, you have this long uh, marble bar, very clean. It doesn't have a bunch of taps that have, you know, garish so- signs or... Um, no, no TVs. No TVs, which is unusual for a, a brewery in Raleigh or anywhere. Um, and then right in the middle, you have kind of a little 
a, I guess, bookstore where you sell books and other kind of trinkets. You've got a flower shop, mm-hmm. which is amazing and beautiful. Um, and in the, the back wall is lined with books that are it's kind of a library. I'm, I'm getting somewhere with this. And then to the right, you have this big kind of an, another dining dining room was kind of flowing. So it's it's very calm and tranquil and peaceful. And you guys met each other. And then where did the... Tell me about like how the flowers in the bookstore, because like when Ben and I walked in, I'm like, oh God, here we go again. Here's a restaurant trying to do too too much. You know, they have a mm-hmm. store, they have a flower shop. How did it come about? Yeah, we, we get asked that question a lot. It's like, what what is the relationship between Belgian beer and, 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 and Chinese dim sum and, and somehow there's flowers and then books on poetry? Right. I, I, think, uh, I think the simplest answer is that it was never a concept. Mm-hmm. I think Brewery Bavana, it's what happens when you say, let's put all the things that we love in one room and mm-hmm. let's gather all the people that we love in that same room and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And I think our intention all along has always been, is there an opportunity to create a gathering place? And I think the idea of a third place, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, 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 that nest, that sanctuary between work and home it's somewhat lost in a lot of communities and we we found a space and we say is it possible to create quote unquote uh, a living room for the city to to come together from people from all walks of life to coexist and perhaps collaborate and get inspired by each other and somehow maybe empathy comes out of it mm-hmm. um, and so I think the 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 dream was much bigger than all of its parts clearly we we love beer and we so are so proud of our packing duck and I think Dina's flower is absolutely stunning. Yeah, they are. And and, and the book program is really exciting and relevant and curated. But I think the power of all of it is I think the community long I think people in general long mm-hmm. to be in community together. And I think Brui Bavana becomes that place to say, come on in and and talk to someone that you don't know and, and maybe we can be friends too. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little about the beer program because I think, you know, there's there's definitely something happening in the beer world right now that is exciting. Uh, we went through the IPA kind of whatever that was, you know, <laughs> yeah, hoppy, crazy stuff. And now it's gone more, um, as I said in the story, and we talked a little bit uh, earlier about kind of that natural wine route. You get some of those sour beers and, and mm-hmm. stuff. So tell me kind of what your inspiration behind the beers that you guys do? Because you you have a lot of beers on the list. I mean, there's probably 20? Yeah, we we have 20 beers yeah. uh, year-round. We're about to roll out a lot of uh, packaging, too. Um, a lot of our higher-end uh, sour production um, because I'm crazy. And <laughs> I, 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 it just is more fun as a, as a brewer to constantly be working on new things. Um, a lot of the inspiration, honestly, comes from uh, the culinary world. I spend a lot of time working in restaurants and get inspiration from a lot of food dishes so mm-hmm. uh and travels in general um uh, all the time i spent traveling around the world I, I i definitely i picked up spices from all these different places and uh try to recreate memories um from those travels uh a lot of what we do i think you're right to say there's i mean the ipa craze is still going on uh, right. it's like every year that we think that say someone done, or something yeah. else is going to take over and no it's still 40% of the market. Right. And we certainly do hoppy beers, but um my my focus really is on 
trying to create beers that uh, don't necessarily pair exactly with a particular dish, but something that you can drink and enjoy alongside a number of dishes and walk out of there and not have your palate annihilated by one or the other. Right. So we we focus on subtlety and nuance in a lot of our beers. I think an interesting thing that's going on in the craft beer movement right now is the focus on wild fermentation and sours. Um, but as as we often do in the American beer scene, that's taken to an extreme, just right. like it was with hops. With that, I think in the sour movement right now, there's, there's a lot of folks that um, focus on these aggressively tart things. I really love... Almost the ones that give you kind of a bellyache after you have yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, Pepto or, uh, you know, acid, uh, right. anything to deal with that acid as, level. As somebody once helpful. said, after I bought them a certain sour beer, they're like, if I wanted to drink grapefruit juice, I would just <laughs> drink grapefruit juice. You yeah, know? <laughs> uh, it's, it's fair. We also, uh, we have 150 wine barrels and four fooders, which are these massive, massive oak tanks, mm-hmm. still, still used quite often in the wine industry and uh and this is all done at the restaurant right in the back of the restaurant uh, no? no actually no. it's a it's that is a off, often asked question so it's um, actually not a brewery is what you're telling me <laughs> it is <laughs> we just have a we have a production facility that's just down the road okay um okay and actually that's a, a good part of how this whole pro brewery bavana came to be is that we we were fortunate to take over the space next to Bidamanda, which is quite large as yeah, it is yeah it's a big and, restaurant uh, space in the natural uh, thought throughout the years, developing this brew pub kind of concept was, well, we'll put the brewery there. And fortunately, at the same time, somebody, a friend of ours, had acquired a, a space down the road that allowed us to build a production facility right away. Mm-hmm. And then we were left with, oh, we have this 10,000 square foot restaurant. <laughs> what are the, what, what other fun things can we do? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and it really, I mean, Van said it, earlier, but it, 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 it's all been about relationships and, and friends that we've been inspired by. Mm-hmm. Um, so it often is people mention concept, but it was never, mm-hmm. let's do this concept because there is no needle that threads <laughs> a correct line right. between Chinese food and Belgian beer and right. flowers. So tell me, tell me about just maybe two specific beers that you like and what's, what, what's in them. Like, do, do have you guys developed a flat, like has one style become a flagship for you guys? It's always on the list. Uh, yeah. So we, we have 10 core beers and then our provisional list, which is some, uh, just beers that we're rotating and more experimental uh, or just small batch stuff. Yeah. And, um, two of the things that I'm, I'm, really excited about um one of one is our brett saison which uh we in two of our fooders i call them our mothers um they're affectionately called clyde and jaybo after the original funky drummers from james brown band because <laughs> they produce funky beer uh one of them has uh, our house sour culture in it which we developed over three years um and that's bavana means to cultivate and a lot of what we do uh, not only from the community perspective of the restaurant, but at, on the brewery side is uh, cultivating of local yeast. So mm-hmm. we are trying to really instill a sense of terroir from Raleigh. So mm-hmm. I've harvested yeast from things as crazy as honeybees and uh, pomegranate trees and, you know, my family's backyard. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> and so one of those fooders is inoculated with that. And it's a almost like a sourdough culture or a mother for kombucha. We are constantly pulling a little bit of beer out, putting a little bit of beer back, and it mm-hmm. develops over time. It's a starter, um, a sourdough starter, yeah, basically. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, one of those is our Brett Saison, which um, early on we had about a three-month-old version. Now we're at about nine months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, We'll continue to 
pull a little bit off and keg that and bottle it. And it's really fun to see how that develops. Mm -hmm. um, and that in particular, has, it has Brutanomyces, which is a wild yeast in it. that Which is kind of a buzzword right now in terms of yeah. beer. And it's exciting. I mean, it, I love those style those yeah, beers. absolutely. So tell me a little bit, Van, about... Because you walk in, you know, you you have a beer, which, you know, I that's the, that's kind of what first got me in. And then you sit down and you're like, okay, now I'm going to eat dim sum, you know, after <laughs> I look at some flowers. It, it's a weird... It's not a concept, but it's a it's a it's an odd idea. Why, why dim sum? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we we went through so many um, ideas about right. what what the food program should be that would celebrate um, all of the beautiful finesse that comes out for uh, Patrick's beer. Mm -hmm. We look at charcuterie. We look at Italian. We look I was going to say most people would have probably put pizza yeah. in there, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think what what came down to it was, you know, just like everything else that that led us to Buribamana, it's what 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 cuisine is it that's really sacred in 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 my heart and my sister's heart? And I grew up eating dim sum. Mm -hmm. uh, that's breakfast at home. Uh, Laos is heavily influenced by the the Chinese um, culinary. Um, style through the Mekong River. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, somehow Chinese food really gets stuck in this one dimensional yeah. place where it's uh, salty and sweet and oily. And and I think what dim sum represents for me, it's really, it's a moment in time hundreds of years ago where travelers are coming through these different villages and, and, and villagers have to come up with something quick and beautiful and, and that they are proud of to welcome visitors into the community. And I think it's, it's half art, mm -hmm. half food. And, um, and we were like, why don't we just stick with dim sum because we love it. And, 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 and I think the one thing that is so similar to um, Patrick's beer and dim sum is that it's really all about nuance. Mm -hmm. um, I think when, when you taste a good bite of dim sum, no flavors really stand out. Mm -hmm. I think they dance and sing in such a wonderful harmony that you experience the relationship between the hand of the maker mm -hmm. with the dough and and water. Really, uh, dim sum is not a creative um, cuisine. It's I, not a creative cuisine. It's not a creative cuisine. And, and I say that respectfully. I think what we do at, at Bavana really is how do we show reverence to mm -hmm. this cooking tradition that has been there for thousands of years. And, 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 and really, you know, if, if you come to a kitchen, you will see um, these ladies that, that, that are, you know, hand loving and creating and folding and sculpting mm -hmm. thousands and thousands and thousands of dumplings a day. What are, what are some of the dumplings that you've you've got on the list? I know you have the soup dumplings, yeah. and then you've got the you've got some in creative ones. Yeah, so so we have a uh, the, the menu is pretty much divided into you know one section is classical stuff like soup dumplings mm -hmm. and shumai, mm -hmm. um, pork bao, mm -hmm. um, shashu bao. We have curry bao that we just uh, release, um, but we have creative stuff like the scallion pancake, mm -hmm. um, and and I think when these makers are, re are creating the same thing over and over and over again, it becomes a mantra. Mm -hmm. It becomes a meditation of sorts. So when I say it's not creative cuisine, it's it's really empowering these makers to really take pride in this art piece mm -hmm. and offer it to um, to someone. In the back of our kitchen, um, there's uh, our, our 
I call her aunt. Uh, she's Laotian. Her name's Donna. We call her Donna, mm-hmm. and she would uh, she would roll spring rolls in certain way that the lining of it would match up into a mosaic. Oh wow! And she would do a chanting every single spring roll she rolls, and when she's done, she would lift it on her forehead and do a blessing. Mm-hmm. And and that to her, it's the way she say, "I care about you." Mm-hmm. To all of our guests that are coming, and we'll never meet her. But but because yeah, it's not an open kitchen, you don't see exactly. Yeah, yeah. But but I think there's so much honesty in this cuisine that when you when you taste a shashu bao, mm-hmm. you really can taste the love and passion and memory of mm-hmm. the maker. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, our job at, at at the brewery, I think it's really just showing love and mm-hmm. reverence to a cuisine that has meant so much to our lives. And you talk about you know the community is a big part of that and I think it's it, it's apparent when you know as a guest when you walk in you kind of you you know I always talk about people always ask me like how do you know when you're in a, a cool place or a special place and you just get a feeling or a sense mm-hmm. you know when you walk into a place whether it's a roadside shack in Laos or you know a place <laughs> on the park in in Raleigh and so it is uh, tangible there so whatever you did uh Good job, but I, I wondered: Is Raleigh itself? How have they taken to it? Is it because it's you know it's it's an interesting concept in Absolutely. in a lot of ways. And have have people been welcoming to it? Or like, why isn't the game on? You know, why isn't the <laughs> NC State football game on? Yeah, I, I we were really surprised too. We thought we would have to answer a lot of questions. Yeah, but uh, it has been the opposite. Raleigh has been so kind and generous and so ready. I think Raleigh is in this uh, transformation phase mm-hmm. where um, I think people are longing to have something that's inspiring and exciting and challenging. Yeah, and 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 folks really uh, love the idea that you can coexist in a space with another person that is different from you. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the back of the garden area, you see the, 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 the big library shelf. I think it's really symbolic on, on many levels. So we were thinking about the book program and we say, how do we engage the community in the most meaningful way possible? So we reach out to about 500 of our friends, mentors, strangers, guests mm-hmm. on the street and say, what are five most important books in your life, mm-hmm. and uh, and and what happened was folks just bring bring things in. What happened was four thousand books of, a lot of them have personal notes, of, of why these are important and sacred and meaningful, and they're on a bookshelf, where our guests can can read through and really get inspired by someone else. It's memory and mm-hmm. inspiration. So, I think that bookshelf really represent what what we are trying to do, which is bringing people together in a time where we really need to hold on tight to one another. Uh, so, Van and Patrick, thank you so much from Brewery Bavana, one of our ten best restaurants, our hot ten for 2017. But before you go, uh, the tradition here is the lightning round. So, I'm gonna <laughs> let you both answer. You have to answer. Just one word answer is good. Boy, <laughs> are you ready? Were you spying on my? You were spying at my sheet, weren't you? You've I, already studied. I, I, I already all have right. all the answers. I think I know some of these are. If you need help, <laughs> I can clarify. Okay. Uh, and I'll point to you: Beer Lao or Budweiser? Oh, Beer Lao. Beer Lao. Okay, sorry, Budweiser. Uh, what about Larb or Kalji Pate? Lab. Larb. Larb. Uh, <laughs> so Kalji is is almost like a. It's a pate sandwich, basically, right? Almost, almost yeah. like the Vietnamese. Yes. All right, this one might be Clay Aiken or Michael C. Hall. Do you know who Michael C. Hall is? From Dexter. 
Yes. Oh. They're both Raleigh natives. Definitely, definitely Michael Seahall. Okay. Sorry, Clay. Has Clay been too. in the restaurant? She has. He okay. has. <laughs> Michael C. Hall been in? Uh, 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 not yet. Um, he needs to. I, I guess I'll, I'll go with Clay Aiken then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about Amy Sedaris or David Sedaris? David Sedaris. David. David. Both Raleigh natives. Right, I know. <laughs> they come in? Have they been in? I wish. You wish. M- maybe they have and just like you. They, yeah, were, they, you they didn't they even were, notice yeah. them. You gotta get better about that. We, we love everyone. What about pork buns or soup dumplings? I've been pushing for us to do beer soup dumplings, so I'm going to call it soup dumplings. <laughs> Absolutely pork buns. Pork buns, interesting. Uh, turnip cake or scallion pancakes? Scallion, scallion pancakes pan- all, scallion all day long. Uh, Peking duck or General So's chicken? Peking duck. duck. Okay. Yeah, and that you guys have a great one. Uh, and then the final final question, which we ask everybody, is butter or olive oil? Mm, I just got back from Spain. Olive oil. <laughs> olive oil. Olive oil. Thanks, guys. Yay. Thanks for having us. It's always funny about you, Mason Hereford from <laughs> Turkey and the Wolf. Our number one restaurant in America, 2017, is Woo! you wear a hat from Turkey and the Wolf. That's kind of weird. That's not weird at all. No, that's like a band wearing the, their band t-shirt when they're walking around. I disagree. Really? So you, uh, I think it's so, totally normal to wear your own hat. Really? I feel like I'm on blast right now. Uh, <laughs> no, I think, uh, yeah, it's like it's, just a, it's a good hat. I like to wear it a lot. Okay. But the, nice the, the real though. person I want to talk to today is also is Colleen Quarles, who's what, your right-hand person, Mason. My, she, yeah. she makes the restaurant run. As well as the entire staff. The but yeah, staff. she's like, she's the rock. Her and Gate are the most important for sure. Right. I mean, that's, I'm only going from what I saw. That, yeah. That. So for those of you who don't know, Turkey and the Wolf is, is, is a sandwich shop that is in the Irish Channel neighborhood. Yeah, some would argue that it's the Lower Garden District, but yeah. Uh, in New Orleans. It's, it's a funky little place. And w- one thing that we talked about in another podcast is uh, Julia Kramer, who uh, puts the list together. When we came back and we, we made our list of like what we thought was this year's number one restaurant, we both came up with Turkey and the Wolf, which is surprising to people because this is not a fine dining restaurant. It is Equally crappy taste. Equally crappy taste, right. <laughs> or like you both came on the right day. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because when people hear uh, that Turkey and the Wolf is number one, they're like, oh, what kind of food it is? And then I tell them, they're like, wait, it's sandwiches? You know, it's... it's Just sandwiches? Yeah, it's Just upsetting. sandwiches. Uh, how has the reaction been in terms of v- being number one on the list? I would say, yeah, there's always danger lurking in the comment section. Yeah. Uh, no, it's been pretty tight. Line out the door. Um it's real new, real fresh. We're still figuring it out. <laughs> we close earlier now, you know, because we prep into the night. Um, but in terms of expectations and what people, you know, that's I think that's something when you're on this list in particular, but any list, you know, and you guys have been on a lot of lists this year. And I think people have a, a certain level of expectation, though, when it comes to like, okay, this is one of the top 10 restaurants in America. And, and when it comes yeah. to ours, it's the number one. Like, yeah. do you have people who are like, is it? Well, yeah, I mean, I they probably do. But we've always had that even when we, before this list even came out, people mm-hmm. were like, just a bologna sandwich. It's like, right. yeah, it's just a bologna sandwich, but it's our bologna sandwich, and it's right. the way that we make it. You're probably not going to make this at home. You could, but you're not going to, and it's not going to be the same. Right. And we didn't ask anyone to believe the hype. Yeah. You, just because you wrote a list. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, we just can only focus on consistency and, you know, 
you can restructure to make sure that you can still produce the same product. But, you know, all we can do is our best, and that's what we're always going to do, and that's what right. we tried to do at the beginning. So right. we're just going to keep trying to do that. So when, when you – you guys worked together um, at a restaurant in New Orleans before Turkey and the Wolf called – Coquette. Coquette. Rules. And, Colleen, the day that Mason came to you and said, I'm going to open up a sandwich – shop or whatever he said to you and you said yes yeah i did uh we were making sandwiches for lunch there like during service we always like ran to like special sandwiches mm -hmm. and i was building some and he like i think noticed the way i spread my mail and <laughs> <laughs> did you 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 noticed the way or like because I, I i spread it like i spread it evenly like corner to corner so every right. bite's the same and consistent and you're a lefty too i and have to point out to lefty. people who don't know you and i think she's a lefty lefty like whether it's shooting a basketball or playing tennis or spreading mayo it just looks better yeah but yeah he noticed that and he was like you know i'm gonna open a sandwich shop and i was like okay cool i love sandwiches let's go i'm great at building sandwiches yeah, we talked about opening Turkey and the Wolf for years before we opened this place. Right, and there's a there's a whole backstory to your love of sandwiches that uh, is yeah. in this story. I mean, like anybody, yeah, like, who yeah. Doesn't like well, a sandwich, I mean, sandwiches yeah. are really good. You know, they're not like our passion. Like, just like you've the got good, other good interests, food yeah. and like the 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 scene is like what what it's all about. But yeah, sandwiches obviously are. So so important. why why you know this? There was a uh, Pete Wells, who's the New York Times restaurant critic, last week wrote a piece about. Uh, what he wanted more restaurants to become or do. And a lot of it was about diversity in the kitchen. It was about just having different taste out there. One of the things was, is chefs kind of not turning their back, but going against fine dining and making food more accessible. Um, and in that way, brilliant lower prices, you know, price point and making food that way. Is that something that you guys, when you when you left the quote unquote fine dining world and opened a sandwich place, that you were cognizant of, or uh, not as a trend? I yeah. don't think, but no, it's not as like a trend, super but, yeah. appealing. Yeah, after cooking fine dining to cook some casual stuff. Um, in my opinion, I don't know what do you think, Colleen. Yeah, just I mean, also we're just trying to cook the food that we want to eat, which is more casual food, right? And less less of an effort. You don't have to think about what's going to happen when you go into a dining room or anything like that. You just go in and eat. However right. you want, whether you want to eat a sandwich with a fork and knife, which is absurd, but people do it to yeah. each their own. Fuckers. Or, you know, if you want to eat it with your hands, eat it with your hands. And it's just, it's just definitely is more casual. Because there's not, there's very few sandwiches. Nothing's over 15 bucks on the menu. I don't no, think anything's over 13. 13? Maybe, yeah, maybe there's something 13. Yeah. I we used to have a chicken fried steak. That was like 13. That was the highest, most expensive thing. Yeah. The salads but it's are like not, You know, we don't make it. We're not like, oh, everything needs to be under 13 if we came up with a sandwich that had something really expensive and awesome on it and we loved it. Right. Like sweetbreads or some shit. We'd yeah, have to yeah, charge yeah. more money or like lobster. Yeah. But we right now we don't have that. And you guys have made it really fucking hard to change the menu when you got a dang line out the door. <laughs> Everybody has their favorites. Um, so what's what's been moving? Is it is it the uh, hundred bologna sandwiches a day? Really? We sold a hundred and ten the other day. Do a hundred and ten. Patrons on what, like a weekend day. <laughs> what, what, how many bologna sandwiches were you selling on a on a good day before? Maybe 40? For, yeah, 40, yeah. 50. Like that's on a busy ass day. That's like right. on a busy Saturday. So yeah, Leanne, uh, our girl who makes the bologna, she's like pretty badass. Um, <laughs> yeah, we were ordering. So like a single batch is five logs of bologna. We were order now. We were getting that like one. 
maybe a double batch every week. Now, twice a week, we get a five times batch. Is she freaking out? Or she, no, she's she legit. She can she's like, it. cool. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, bring it on, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, then, and her partner, Dan, makes all the bloody too, because... So for people who don't, who haven't had the sandwich or haven't read the story, tell tell what the what goes into the bologna sandwich. It's like a lot of people that kind of made it awesome. So yeah, first you can talk about my mom. She made a bologna and potato chip sandwich when I was a kid with yellow mustard. I fucking hated it. It was terrible. No <laughs> cutesy story there. Um, but she's really cool and like she made a lot of good food. And obviously like your mom's gonna. The sandwich wasn't one of them. Though. Uh, yeah, that's one of the people that. Uh, adds to the sandwich again. Uh, then we have David Weiss, who's a baker. He makes the white bread, which is a recipe that Colleen and I learned from uh, our old pastry chef at Coquette, Zach. So Zach's in there. David Weiss is in there making the bread. Leanne and Dan making the bologna. Um, they're a big part of it. They make awesome bologna. It's smoked, and we cut it thick, and it just tastes really good. Duke's. Uh, Duke's mayonnaise. And then my friend Via, who's like my closest friend and my roommate, one of my closest friends, her mom had this really amazing mustard recipe made out of Coleman's mustard powder, and there's, like, eggs in it and shit. Super weird recipe. You do it over um, a, bo- a double broiler, right? Boiler, yeah. Double, double broiler, Double yeah. broilers don't exist. They, they, uh, but, but that would be cool, though, if there <laughs> yeah. was a it double broiler. Soon. Yeah, yeah, it sounds expensive. <laughs> uh, but, but it's... So her, her mustard recipe, and then, you know, it's just, like, a lot of cool people involved, and that's why it tastes good. People be like, man, there's nothing that weird on this, but it's a good sandwich. It's like, well... You know, and the, the potato the chips. Parts. You make the potato chips. Too. Yeah, it's cool. We put them in vinegar before we fry them, so they have like a I don't know some sort of je ne sais quoi. Yeah, we fry so many fucking chips now. <laughs> it's so the bane of my existence. I'm covered in grease every morning. We used to order like potatoes by the ten pounds, and ten pounds would get us out for like two or three days. We're going through a case a day. Mm. Yeah. Are you guys still having fun? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit I more mean, stressful, but like, it's getting better, and we're getting yeah. adjusted to it. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's still fun. The mm-hmm. first two days was we were like, "Well, how are we gonna have fun again?" Because <laughs> like it was, it's kind of like, you know, the framework of our whole shtick is like, "Oh, have a really good time," and like spread that to the customers, right? And then all of a sudden, there's a line, and we were cooking for 500 people, and there's only 40 seats, and it's like, well, there's no fun here. So we had to rethink how we could make it the same restaurant for people. For that volume. So what we did is we cut the hours, and we said, we just go super hard for six hours, get the food out, and then get super well planned, uh, prepared for the next day so that we have time to goof off. What are the hours now? The hours now uh, used to be 11 to 9. Now it's 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. or until we sell out. We sell out at 600 people. We won't do more than that right now. That's, that's the breaking just, point. That, it's yeah. not the breaking point. It's just it's then all of a sudden much. you've got kids prepping at, you know, 1 in the morning. And right. that's, no, that's not – we didn't sign up for that. Yeah. We're going to open another restaurant. It won't be busy. It won't have accolades. You can eat there if you don't like the line, you know. <laughs> um, it won't be called Turkey the Wolf. It'll be something else. Wait, but are you open? I, I, we, we, uh, we're just pay, pay, talking about talking. It. We about don't it. have like a space or anything. Okay. But in the next couple of years, we want to definitely have another restaurant. Not a turkey and the wolf. No, 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 no. no. We, it's only we're one. talking. We got like a few ideas floating around that are fun, and the whole staff's involved. One thing I think you know, I, I said when I was down in New Orleans, kind of reporting the story, I said it's both of you. It's like I don't, I don't think that turkey and the wolf could exist in any other place besides New Orleans. Um, they like sandwiches down there for beginners, but also. New Orleans attracts a certain kind of person who likes to have fun. New Orleans. His little Sandwiches bit. for beginners. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> ah, spokesperson. But one thing I noticed on social media was the restaurant community in New Orleans is very tight. Obviously, during Katrina, that was 
you know, very um, and like what every all every restaurant has a fundraiser for Houston right now. You know, right. So, but also them delivering you guys family meal that was incredible all the time. So, for people who don't know what family meal is, it's the kind of like pre 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 or post. Yeah, pre or post uh, staff meal, meal that you yeah, have exactly. for your employees. And I mean, who are some, Colleen? Who are some of the people that sent you guys food, and what did they send you? It was oh crazy. my goodness, yeah. we had so many. We had Shia came in. We got a, like a whole different like spread from them of hummus and falafels and other things. We had uh, Kenton's just came in with sausage and peppers uh, and corn. Uh, let's see, Sucre came in. They gave us all these cool pastries and macaroons and cakes <laughs> and stuff. Uh, and this just started just reaching out to you or yeah i I think they're all friends of ours yeah it was just a really cool thing so i guess there's a couple ways to look at it when uh your friend's restaurant gets an accolade Mm -hmm. i imagine there's some like oh man like that'd be cool if we got it but there's also like this hey this is fucking new orleans we're in this together we're the same group of people this is cool for us a rising tide lifts all boats is something we say sometimes you know right after it you guys did a thing on like hey look at all these cool places to eat in new orleans it, it just helps everybody. It's fun. And for them to show us that support was just a really big deal because we were drowning that first couple of days. And, like, you know, you got the internet being like, you guys suck. And, right. you know, I've never eaten there. And you're like, well, I guess you have a point. <laughs> um, so that that was kind of, like, just super uplifting. Like, yeah, we can, we can make this back. You know, this will be great. We're going to have fun again. This is just two days of hell, and the internet's wrong or right. Who gives shit? Uh, and they, they fucking hooked it up, and we— we were super pumped. It, it was like really meaningful and you know exciting. To also get that, inspiring. Koshan tried to inspire us with chicken Caesar wraps. Yeah, oh, really? inspiring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Billy Jones uh, at Koshan, who's like our closest buddy ever. He's been trying to get us to put like a dumb wrap on the menu forever. So he made us not dumb wraps, and then he made us Harvey wall bangers. <laughs> Which oh, I guess yeah. is a screwdriver with Galliano. Galliano. Galliano was the first liquor that I tried because it was the only one that was out on the shelf because it's so tall. Yeah, it won't exactly. <laughs> on the shelf. So it's like that one bottle. It's like, what is oh, it? And it's only in screw, it's only in screwdrivers. It yeah. yeah, it's terrible. Harvey Wallbanger. It's, it's, like li- it's like a liqueur, you know. Dead. Yeah. Um, Black jelly bean flavor. That's what, that's what I, people say? I, I, that's what? what I thought. Like licorice? Uh, Annecy. So have you guys been working on any new sandwiches that you're putting on the menu or you're just so we we came up with this sandwich and we were really happy with it. Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) It was I want a sandwich, I guess it was on a roadie, which is like that flatbread. Um, And we called it the Wendy's number six, number six. It was like the Wendy's spicy chicken salad wrap. And my dad like really liked it. It was like this special thing. We put it on the menu. We're jazzed. We're like, okay, we got to fry all this chicken, which is a bitch, but everything's going to be fine. We got this. Bon Appetit came to (laughs) Colin, and uh, we pulled it like day one or day like three. We ran it for like a day or two, and we're like, nope, we don't have time for this. I was really quite pleased with it. I like miss it, you know? So then we had all these other ideas. We got on like a ton of eggplant because it's the end of the season in New Orleans. There's like only eggplant. Um, and we had this dish in Paris when Colleen and I did a pop-up there. We were like, oh, cool. Let's, like, play with this idea. And we, like, started messing with it and got really close. And now everything. There's gave no the time. case of eggplant away. We, like, we had pasta night. We had, like, this big block of cheese. I gave it to Billy. Magdalia, um, one of our kitchen people, take was taking home just, like, hauls of fried chicken. Because, like, we couldn't, like, we... 
the guy who was making the fried chicken, you know, he's screwed. So, but yeah, we will be changing the menu more once things mellow out a little bit. Yeah, and a cool thing we're doing is yeah. we're not gonna serve food past five anymore. We're gonna continue those hours. Sorry, if anyone really cares, but at night we're gonna be a bar. So that's gonna oh, be really? really cool. Yeah, starting and have a couple some bar weeks. snacks. Not necessarily bar snacks, but at least one day a week we're gonna cook family meal for the patrons. So we're gonna put out. I don't know if I'm going to sign up for this forever, mm -hmm. but like an idea that we're talking about is Monday night. Um, let's say we're recipe testing for, a, you know, a future restaurant or mm -hmm. we're, we just have a hankering to make a big ass bowl of pasta like we used to. Mm -hmm. We'll just put out food and we'll be like, Hey, seven o'clock food served. As long as you're drinking and you're respectful about the fact that other people would like to try some of the food. Almost, come on down. Eat some almost free food. like that place in the Bywater in New Orleans that did, or a lot of places do yeah. beans and rice. Right? Yeah, red, red beans, beans and rice on Mondays or crawfish yeah. boils during yeah. the season. And either for, you know, you just pay to eat a bunch of them or sometimes they're free uh, just to get people in the bar. Um, will, you have not, a, will you have a TV in there for game days? Uh, we don't know. It doesn't really affect me because I got season tickets for the first time ever. Oh, so ideally I won't be there. Way to go. Uh, yeah, go Saints. <laughs> yeah, you know. But yeah, we might have a TV. I don't know. It's basically, we have a really cool bark program, and we have a bunch of creative minds that are talented, and yeah. they're pouring 500 iced teas. Yeah. Uh, we want them to be able to do what they were doing before, which is a more cocktail-focused, super fun, right. like curated, right. you know, alcohol list. Um, and we can do that at night, and we're not looking to get slammed. And, you know, I don't think we'll probably be open past 11 or anything yeah. like that. But just a place where you can get the old, the vibes that you might have missed when you were, like, an OG patron. You know? Right. So... When you guys opened up Turkey and the Wolf, did did you have any idea that? No, no, you had no idea that Fuck no. people would like it so much. I'm not alone on this because, like, look, there's other there's other outlets that were on. You were on their yeah, ten yeah, list. They put so us in a group. They put you in a group. Well, that's fine. But Colleen, I'll ask you. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> what do you think it is that you guys are doing? I agree, it's nothing special, but it's obviously something special. Yeah, is going on. I think. It's hard to answer just because I think we're we're doing what we love to do and we're doing it because we love it. We're not being forced to do anything. We're doing what we want to do when we want to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think people have just responded well to that. They can see it in our work mm -hmm. and that it's simple, but it's good, different, but good. Mm -hmm. And it's <laughs> good, but different. <laughs> and everyone can relate to eating a sandwich in some ways. And place. Yeah, yeah, I think everybody likes it. It's, it's all familiar flavors, mm -hmm. but not what they've got, what, not what they can get elsewhere right. in a way. And, and, and we all talked about this when I, was, when I was down in New Orleans reporting the story is, you know, with, do you, you know, do you guys miss doing carrots eight ways? And you all said, no, not really. But the creativity that comes into a sandwich, do you feel it's more limiting than if you just had an empty plate and you can do whatever? Or oh, and we I don't think only the do options are all either. there. Yeah, we can do whatever we want because we have like sandwiches and other stuff. Other right. stuff is anything and everything. Right. See, like just... one of the things when you're working fine dining, you get really excited about is like a super simple dish or like you know a, a nice restaurant where they like you know let's say you make like a really good pot of beans and you just garnish it with one thing. You only have it for like a special for that yep. day or something. Yep. Uh, that that was like part of the appeal is being like, well, we can just do those things that make us super pumped all the time. Along the way, you learn all these super cool tricks in fine dining, like different techniques, different ways of doing things, why it's better to use a lemon out of a lemon rather than, you know, two-day-old squeeze bottle. <laughs> and we learned all those things, and it I think that um, makes it – not all the things, but we learned some things. I don't know. I think that's what makes the sandwiches taste the way they do on some levels is that 
you know, we just know from experience that cracking the pepper out of the cracked pepper thing is just, you taste different, you know, or like putting a shit ton of zest on something is important or like the use of herbs that you won't, you just don't see it sometimes because, you know, we just learned it in a different place and now yeah. here we are fucking around. When you get a shop. wedge salad at a steak restaurant, there's never enough blue cheese dressing. Yeah, so we here, too much. There's, there's a lot. That's never a problem. <laughs> When I was down there, it was tomato season, and you made me a t- Man, tomato I miss sandwich. That sandwich so much. So it was. <laughs> it would t- it would bring us to our knees if we served that <laughs> shit now. Why just slicing the tomatoes? Just cut, well, we were serving fifty a day when we were slow. Yeah. <laughs> we were serving like yeah. three hundred of those fuckers. So it was a seasonal special, and it was it's a tomato sandwich. You know, it's tomato and mayonnaise at its at its base. Right. But then there was, like you said, a shit ton of herbs, dill, and was there basil? Basil, basil yeah, regular basil. And then you would squeeze lemon over top of this kind of salad and then but the weird thing is you took i was i was thinking about it the other day i was trying to describe it to my wife you took like six tablespoons of <laughs> yeah. sesame a pine of uh sunflower seeds roasted sunflower salted seeds. sunflower seeds sunflower yeah. seeds and like would put it on the base of the bread which is like what why are you doing that like that's the dumbest thing it took us like i don't know like 30 sandwiches or not 30. We probably had to eat the sandwich 10 times before we even figured out that it needed sunflower, or yeah, sunflower seeds. Sunflower seeds. And then, you know, you close it and you eat it and it's like, wow, why hasn't somebody thought about this before? You know, it's almost like the chocolate and peanut butter thing. It's like, duh, like I should have thought of that. You and know? that's the same I think process a- as, as you're talking about the fine dining stuff. That's the same thing you do if you made like some dish. Dish, yeah, like a sunflower, you know, sauce, right. a puree, With or tomato, a, or, yeah, and then yeah, like yeah. nice, beautiful seasoned chunks of tomato right. and like lemon right. here and there, and herbs, like tiny little herbs from your garden on top. Right, you could totally like, you could make that into some fancy dish and yeah. some cookbook. You know, we just put it between bread. Yeah, buttery ass bread. All right, Mason and Colleen from Turkey and the Wolf, thank you so much. But before you before you go, uh, we have our lightning round questions, which uh, unfortunately I left my piece of paper on the desk, and Mason has I only already read the first seen three. seven. First yeah, three. They're okay. terrible questions. You know what, Colleen? Do you just want to just, let's, just you and I. All right. <laughs> Lays or ruffles? Ruffles. Go ahead, Mason. Oh. Uh, Lays or ruffles? Ruffles. ruffles. But the, the one that's like the... Ridges? Ridges. Yeah, yeah, but the, the, the Sour flavor. Sour cream and onion? No, but the other one. It's like cheddar and something. Uh, cheddar. Yeah. That one? Yeah, yeah the, orange ones. the orange ones. Yeah. The orange ones. Yeah. The orange ones. Turkey or ham? Ham. ham. Wedge or Caesar? Wedge. Poof. Both are dank. Got to choose one. Caesar. <laughs> Even though we serve a wedge. I know your answer to this one, Colleen, but mm. maybe, maybe you'll go Hot Pockets or Bagel Bites? Bagel Bites. Bagel Bites. You guys do a version of Bagel Bites. On yeah, the menu. we did. And it's very, very good. Oh, you did. It's we did. All, it's not, yeah. not on the menu. That's okay. an OG Colleen dish. Taco Bell or Popeyes? Popeyes. Popeyes. Taco Bell is good, too. <laughs> but Popeyes. And also Popeyes is different sometimes, I think. Uh, New, New Orleans good. Popeyes is the answer it's to that good. question. Yeah. It's, it's really, really good. Yeah, It's truly good. Mufaletta or a po' boy? Po' boy. I don't like olives so much. That's mm. my problem. But they yeah, are good. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, depends on... The muffalata, probably. See, the po' boy, there's so many options. Po' boy or muffalata? You can't think about po this. Boy. Uh, soft shell crabs or crawfish? Crawfish. Mm, I love them both so much, but crawfish. Shark attack or hand grenades? Oh, that's a drink. Uh, yeah, it's it's a shark, shark attack. attack. Uh, it's cool. Oh, it has like a, f- a big shark in it. It's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a legendary drink like on red. Bourbon Street. Not Interesting. that I, yeah. yeah. Cheetos or Doritos? Doritos. Doritos. 
in unison. Uh, Saturn bar or rendezvous? Saturn. Mm. Yeah, Saturn bar. All right, last question, which we ask everybody. Butter or olive oil? Butter. 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 Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, dude. The Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced by Emma Wurtzman and Carrie Polis and edited by Mitra Kaboli. Our theme music is by Valerie and the Grady's with additional music by Nathaniel Wurtzman. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.